Okay, hello, hello, hello. Back at the Magic Yogi podcast. And I'm happy to be back broadcasting, or is it narrow casting? Uh, been away from the podcast for a pretty long time, enjoying not having to constantly talk, enjoying my time as a silent citizen, being able to not have an opinion on anything. You know, that's one of the the privileges of not doing podcasting. So just want to give a shout out to some people listening in. DQ Able and Professional Patch. They're here in the uh, text here of the group. And uh, they might be tuning in here and there. Uh, I've been really dragging my feet on coming back onto the podcast. I've been, as I said, I've been enjoying my time in seclusion. I've been enjoying, as I said, being silent and removing myself from humanities, uh, calamities and such. I heard a story that was, that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about this. This was a real recent thing that, um, some, some woman, for some reason, um, locked herself away in a cave for some ridiculous amount of time. I think it was something over a year. I think it was around maybe 500 days, was it? I'm not going to look it up. But um, she stayed in this cave completely uh, disconnected from everyone, not coming out for any reason, even giving instructions that even if there was some kind of a family emergency that no one was to disturb her or try to contact her. And... I, w I mean, I, my ears perked up when I heard this story because cave living, cave living has always been a dream of mine. One of the things that one of my coziest fantasies is to be completely entombed in rock. <laughs> oh, we got another person listening in. Calabasas. Good to see you. Oh, okay. We just, uh, someone pulled up, uh, oh, Patch pulled up the story. Spanish woman emerges after, oh, I got it right. 500 days alone in a cave. Uh, while answering the media questions, she said, I was expecting to come out and have a shower. I wasn't expecting there to be so much interest. Okay, so I got I, I hate reading articles on the podcast. I always feel like it's lazy, but I have to take a look because I don't remember. If it says why did she do it, because I would have my own motivation, but does it say why she... Huh. 
Anyways, I'll just tell you why I would go into a cave. So determined to learn about how the human mind and body can deal with extreme solitude and deprivation. Yeah, so she kind of went into it as a endurance feat, I suppose. Some kind of a test of mental fortitude. But see, that's why I was saying my motivation is that, you know, when I really got into Kriya Yoga, when I really got uh, deep into meditation over the years, um, there's a, I really recognize the value of closing yourself off in that way, in that it's not always necessarily a closing off of yourself from things, but more of a way to let your mind expand beyond its its boundaries because you're taking away the sensory experience. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go full woo here for a bit, but, you know, the the mind is always connected to the rest of creation. You know, we're always a part of some kind of a a web, we're all part of some kind of organic internet at all times. You know, that's why I always give, you know, I always pay attention to dreams. I always take it seriously if I have uh, messages coming to me through my subconscious. Yeah, like uh, Patch here says, I feel like it's a way to separate who you really are from what you experience. Yeah, very true, very true. Because, you know, I, I try not to be too much of a yoga evangelist, but, you know, self-knowledge is the main study of yoga. And there's a, you know, there's a concept that people, if, they're, if they don't spend time turning towards self-knowledge, it's easy to spend an entire lifetime just lost in in whatever entraps your senses and i mean you know the old yogic stuff gets really harsh in that it even you know categorizes things like uh, familial relationships as being problematic and um leading towards attachment and that's always something that I, I always kind of, I tiptoe around it when I talk to people about those old yogic concepts, because it gets too, sometimes it can get too, it can get a little bit um, inhuman, like high level yogic concepts, you know, they always start saying things like, oh, these are things that you know, only are understood once you've reached a certain level of stillness and being able to see through samsara. And that's all well and good, but um, it is rare for people to be able to be objective about how they, how they view themselves and their place in the world. And I'm no better. I'm no better. I mean, look at me, I do a podcast, but I also don't like talking and I don't like attention on myself, but for some reason I ended up doing this and hey, I mean, 
I couldn't have imagined anyone ever would want to listen to the podcast, but after I got rid of it and I quit doing it for a while, I got a lot of good response. I got, uh, you know, I got the usual, um, the usual obsessive comments. No, I'm just kidding. There's no, there's no obsessors anymore. I've cleaned out. I've cleaned out my, um, I've cleaned out my, uh, energy space and I've thrown out people that brought in crazy energy or brought in predatory energy. Uh, I don't know what kind of groups any of you are involved in. If you're, do you have social clubs? Do you have, uh, do you still have friend networks that you hang out with. I've been secluded for so long and all the people that I interact with were always, were always, you know, fringe groups, people that, you know, didn't have other places to fit into, you know, the classic, classic outsiders crews. And on one hand, you know, I love it. I, I love talking to people that are that don't follow the modern or popular currents. I like, I always like rebels. I like people that uh, are willing to uh, not let society tell them how to think. But what goes along with that too is that I've also, um, I think I've told people about it before. I've had way too many experiences where where people who have some kind of mental virus and sickness within them and they're looking to spread it. I mean, I don't, I, I've, I always say that I'm not a, a supporter of modern psychology thinking, so I always try to uh, formulate my thoughts in some kind of way that doesn't use that terminology. But uh, let's go full out into into a way that's really easy to explain. Let's go full Christian and say there's people with demons in them out there. You know, there's people that there's people that got the devil in them. You know, and and I it freaks it used to i get used to get really stressed out about um some of the people i interacted with and uh getting stalked or having people do weird threats towards you because i think that kind of goes hand in hand with doing anything where you're putting yourself out there publicly especially the kind of things that i do where i'm pretty like for for someone who's a unknown person for like the most recognition I ever got in public was being like a small town comedian, but I'm still on the internet, uh, you know, showing my face, talking about myself, um, you know, talking about really crazy stories and, um, opening myself up, being vulnerable for no other reason than that I'm bored, <laughs> that, you know, no other reason that I just have uh, some kind of an energy, I, I'm not even going to call it creative energy, more just kind of a spastic need to 
expel things out into the ether. And I was always one of those guys that, you know, maybe it's a low self-esteem, but I always had that, um, always had that attitude of, uh, you know, no one's going to listen, you know, no one cares. I suck. Shut up. You know, no one, <laughs> no one wants to hear it. Go home, you know, but I, over the years, I kept hearing people, you know, say, hey, you know, you should keep doing that, or it's really, uh, I enjoy it, or you're good at it, and uh, maybe that's part of my, the way that I keep myself from falling into, like, egotism, is that I just kind of constantly tell myself that I suck, <laughs> that, I, that I don't have anything to say, you know, but, um, hey, we're here, uh, we're doing the podcast, and I guess this is just gonna keep being the Magic Yogi podcast, you know. I think that's, I don't really care for the name anymore, because <laughs> I don't, because I remember exactly when I chose the name, the Magic Yogi Podcast, and I, I wish I could change it to something else, but I just couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine what, um, what else I could name what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to take um, a quick break here. And I will be right back. Okay, what do we have going on here? Looks like in the chat we have some kind of spooky alien pictures coming up. Uh, I, I'm so, that's one of my, in terms of all my fears in my entire life, one of the fears that I'm most grateful for overcoming is my fear of aliens. I used to be, uh, I was, I was one of those kids that, you know, of course, uh, of course, growing up in a superstitious household, you deal with ghosts, you deal with spirits, you deal with goblins and ghouls, you know, odd things, but to me, the thing that always unsettled me the most was aliens. And there, to me, it took a certain, it took a turn of self-confidence to not be afraid of, of extraterrestrial, shape-shifting, interdimensional, whatnot spying on you. Because, you know, when I was a kid, I always thought, well, okay, if there's if aliens can visit you and, you know, harass you in different ways, then obviously they're not working in the same rules as we are. So it doesn't make any sense like to be, uh, like what kind of defense are you going to have, you know, against aliens if they're phasing into your bedroom at night and doing experiments on you? It's like, you know, you have to, even a, even a mouse that gets caught by a cat will still take a second to slash and bite and, you know, not just go quietly. And so I, I think uh, there's something where humans need to 
always remember that we have we have the fight in us. I wish I could believe there was a it was what there was one story I remember about a guy saying that he uh, chopped up a gray with a samurai sword. I don't remember how he exactly said it uh, came down to that, but his uh, I didn't really take it seriously because he had he had this whole story about that he cut a gray in half. And there was wires popping out like it was a, it was some kind of an android type thing. And I, I don't know. To me, it, when you start getting to that level, it's like, well, I mean, wouldn't you have saved the parts? Whereas, like, wouldn't you have kept, kept something from that? I don't know. I wonder if um, it would be interesting if I could... Uh, contrast the podcast side by side if I did it during the daytime and the nighttime, if I'd be naturally more inclined to talk about spooky topics and um, metaphysical things. Yeah, you know, now that I remember, uh, like I, uh, my family always had um, at least one video camera growing up. I always remember we always had those old, um, whatever you call them. What do you, I don't know what you call those old kind of handy cams or whatever, like the old first kind of digital cameras or the ones with little tapes and such. And I distinctly remember that I got a, I had a pretty good UFO video on a tape. It was, um, it was like a, it was like a metal ball, like a floating metal ball going through the air real slowly, like a classic nowadays, as they say, uh, what is it? U A O A, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena or something like that. Classic metal floating basketball. And yeah, but see, the thing is I, I never, even when I got that video, I would watch it and it was interesting, but uh, I don't know. I I like I don't. What would you do with it? There's no. Uh, I think the the craziest UFO sightings I've always had have always been things that I, for whatever reason, couldn't get on video, or happened in a way where there's just no reaction time. Like uh, that's why I always tell people that I'm. Like I always, every time I've had a real interesting UFO experience, it feels like I'm in mental touch with them. You know, it feels like I'm, that there's some kind of a communication going on, which is kind of, I think the reason why I don't really bother to um, take video or try to record things like that, because uh, if I, like, I, I, I don't like to, I don't. This isn't something I brag about, but I can pretty much, I can pretty uh, reliably see UFOs or see kind of anomalous things if I want to, you know, like just about any time of the year, if I go outside and I put the intention in my head and just kind of pay attention for a while, I just about nine times out of ten, I end up seeing something. And 
you know, if, if people were to ask me, you know, what, what are the, like, what are the most important experiences with those kind of things, aliens or UFOs I've ever had are, I would actually say, like, I've seen a lot of weird things. I've seen a lot of really odd things in the sky and on the ground, but things in dreams, experiences I've had in dreams or experiences I've had in psychedelic spaces or um, synchronicities, those kind of things to me are the more rattling kind of uh, like the kind of experiences that stick with me more because it's one thing to just um oh well, no oh, i forgot one other thing too is um like me and people in my family have experiences with um like out of body experiences or having uh things go on where we you're trying to sleep and you get um you get, you know, harassed by spirits or you get go on different kind of astral travels while you sleep. I don't really completely subscribe to or, uh, you know, I don't endorse all the, the science, the science, I, I don't mean to, to do this, but science of astral projection, but I'm no expert in astral projection, so I can't verify. I can't verify what. What's uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a whole. Maybe I should. Maybe I should just go deep. Maybe I should spend some time and uh, learn to gain my footing in that area because that's one thing I I kind of feel like maybe it's something I should have spent time on. Um, because wouldn't astral projection be, it would be logical that that's something that humanity should understand and be in as much control of it as, because, you know, there's always the saying from the David Icke style conspiracy theories that there's, um, that there's entities that can prey upon people when they're in a state where they can be influenced in the astral or that you're, if you don't have a lot of control in that space, that you can be vulnerable to uh, manipulation or harm in the astral space. And, and that's always been something that I'm, uh, that I'm interested in is uh, self-defense for humans in the metaphysical spaces. Because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of uh, people that get into uh, magical type topics with an aggressive mindset, wanting to manipulate things in their experience or wanting to affect things. I don't hear as many people working in the spiritual space in a defensive mindset where they're more about maintaining 
some kind of order or protecting themselves instead of just trying to constantly extend themselves into uh, into more things. Yeah, and I just want to bring up Patch Road out here. I had an out-of-body experience, but I didn't get to remote view different places in the real world. I saw greater galaxies and universes and things from a far and a bit of my own future. Yeah, see, any of the times that I've had things that I could have, that I could identify as astral travel or um, lucid dreams or visions or certain things during psychedelic trips and such, yeah, I don't, there's not too many times I ever remember visiting or interacting with places in the familiar world seems like I had a lot more experiences where I saw places that were completely, like completely, um, like fantasy worlds or maybe people who believe in being able to see into alternate dimensions, being able to uh, kind of see realities that don't follow the regular rules that we're accustomed to. Yeah, that's that's been more my experience is kind of uh you know, that's why to me that's why it's hard for me to uh talk about things like this because I start sounding goofy because I start saying things like, "Oh yeah, no, I I've had lucid dreams and astral travels where I'm in these like fantasy worlds that are where there's like a completely different history there's a totally uh there's different physics or there's a different structure to these realities i just go it's I, you know I, I could is it uh, i could just that's why i'm completely okay with making fun of myself and saying oh i have a overactive imagination and i have worlds <laughs> Of like I'm a world builder in my head. Uh, oh, Patch says, "Have you done sensory deprivation?" No, I haven't had. I haven't done legit sensory deprivation. I mean, uh, you know, there's things in meditation or like uh, there, there's things that I've done that come close to that, but I have been meaning to. Uh, go the whole way and actually do um, full-on sensory deprivation. I mean, my <clears throat> my one of my bucket list things would for sure be to. Um, now, this isn't a suicidal thing. This isn't a. This is really not a destructive instinct. But one of these days, I would want to just take you know a super. <clears throat> intense dose of either mushrooms or DMT and then go into a sensory deprivation tank and just just go <laughs> just you know just like just head out and just see what happens you know it um I don't you know what <laughs> Since I already mentioned it a couple of times, I've been, if anyone knows me, they know I've been always been a big, uh, big consumer of psychedelics, but I've actually 
toned down and I pulled back from my ingestion of such things because for me, I spent so much time in the kind of fuzzy, hazy, uh, blurred lines world that I really started valuing stability. I really started valuing being in the same reality day to day. Uh, uh, Patch says too here, says, uh, man, the goofiest thing I have to say is I talked to a fictional character that didn't exist yet when I did it. This is, this is one of the reasons that I came to the conclusion that every fictional world is real on some plane of reality because I knew about one before someone in our world wrote about it. I've never done anything like DMT or mushrooms. Oh, we've been too much of a puss. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, I. it's funny now that you say that. I, the Something that always kind of makes me giggle is that, like, I've done mushrooms a lot. Specifically, that's, like, one of my favorites. And no matter how, I've had so many trips, I've had so many high doses, to this day, no matter what amount I'm taking, I still get a feeling beforehand of, like, um, anxiety and, like, apprehension every single time, no matter how, um, no matter how much experience I have with it. There's always a moment when I'm sitting there holding it where I'm just, just take, just drag taking my sweet ass time with it because I think because it's, um, people who do it, you just know that it's something you kind of get pulled towards. It's something that, um, it's an instinct, you know, they always say that that's probably why, uh, that's how psychedelics were discovered, that it was a subconscious pull. It was something kind of below uh, the intellectual awareness that kind of calls to the human mind. Not for, I don't think it's about, you know, an escape or even necessarily about knowledge or understanding. It's more just, um, just something that allows your mind to, to work in a different way. And then once you come back from it, you know, there's always things you can, there's always things you can, um, implement into the reality that you're in. Patch says, <clears throat> I think it's a matter of grounding your intentions, maybe. It says, I don't know how I knew about sensory deprivation at eight years old, but I also use prayer to ask for eyes to see. Have you tried integrating prayer and ritual into your trips? Uh, yeah, I, I have. I, um... Now that I think about it, my my psychedelic trips have actually always been pretty ritualized, especially lately, because, um, like, I don't do psychedelics randomly. I don't really do them very recreationally anymore. There's usually, 
very um, specific times and circumstances that I'll do them in. And they're usually always with some kind of intention for me to work through some issue or or something where I can tell that there's some kind of an understanding coming towards me that I have to be ready for. And those kind of things are slippery. They're, they're smoky. They're, they're in the air because, you know, I'm, uh, you always have to remember that I'm in that, I'm in a shamanistic mindset most of the time. And so I can spend a lot of time just being, being a person, being a dude going to work, doing the regular Babylon living. But it's always a period where I'm kind of shut down and I have to every so often kind of, you know, I got to wake back up and kind of get my bearings, make sure nothing's going on and go back to sleep for a bit. You know, and because, uh, you know, people, that's why in psychology, you could definitely call it some kind of a disorder of being too aware, being too awake. No one likes anyone that's too awake. Anyways, okay, let's take another break and we'll see what else I was going to... Uh, no, yeah, I I know the um, the audio is not really coming through on the the songs, but that's all right. We'll uh, we'll figure things out later. You know, I I go back and forth on. I remember there was uh, there was one time in the podcast where I totally totally went into outer space in terms of trying to. You know, because I, I went through a time where I was, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to add in as many things as I can, you know, like want to be able to play music, want to be able to have a soundboard, want to be able to pull up video, have different angles of video. And I mean, I did I actually have, the funny thing is, I think the <clears throat> the episodes that I really had everything going <laughs> I completely, I completely fucked it up because obviously I'm such a dumbass that I don't think about things like copyrights and where the podcast is getting uploaded. So, we'd, oh man, I mean, I would have like be going on like four hours of podcasting and having it live streaming and then at the very end play some song over it and they get the whole stream <laughs> deleted after like hours of of live streaming so i don't know you know i i don't know i i think as long as i, I think if i keep it simple <laughs> i don't know i can i can't um i'm too much i'm too scatterbrained to do much of any kind of uh producing these days but Hey, you know, I'll get something going eventually. <laughs> yeah, man, I I wish yeah, I had that guy 
who made a song for the podcast. Ah, damn. I wish I... I wish I could get in touch with that guy because I yeah I always like the idea of having a song for the the show. I gotta get see if I could reach out, hire some people to uh, do some some media type things. Uh, <clears throat> you know, sometimes if I'm thinking about doing a podcast, uh, kind of as a habit from my stand up days, I'll write down notes of things <clears throat> and the funny thing is sometimes like I'll write down a note say in the middle of the night I'll roll out of bed and type something into my phone and I made a note in my phone I think it was last night or the night before about how much I hate cornflakes and <laughs> I can kind of remember being awake to type that out, but like that's that's not like what are you that's not podcast material. I'm not going to I'm not gonna be a guy that comes on and complains about cornflakes. <clears throat> I don't even like complaining about anything really. I don't um the other day I got into a discussion with a guy about um political type things. I'm usually not really a social person, but I was kind of, you know, one of those situations you're just kind of, uh, you're stuck with someone, a stranger, and say you're, <clears throat> you're waiting around and there's just some person there and you're in the same space long enough that you just have to say something to, uh, break the ice. But the guy started going on into politics. He started going into, everything he <clears throat> he within within five minutes of talking to this guy he brought up trannies <laughs> that's how i it, there's almost um i hate to i hate to pigeonhole people i don't i don't mean to categorize people or to make it seem like I'm on any type of side but there always seems to be almost like a default set of gripes <laughs> and like things that some people bring up that seem to be constantly bothering them and I notice sometimes that it's usually it's usually the things that have been headlines have been talking points of podcasters and uh, uh pundits and things and i every time i hear i talk to someone and they kind of bring up the same talking points about um not to say i'm disagreeing with them but you know the degeneration of society and uh, the breakdown of social order and all that. I, I just think, why is like, is that all you have going on? Like you didn't, like, I know that's in the news and I know that's what people are talking about, but don't you like, don't you got anything else going on? <laughs> Cause I was just being nice to the guy and I just kind of, uh, played my part and let him rant. But I just, I get really, I get tired of, um, conversations with people just being uh, 
them regurgitating what people have been saying in media. It's like, I, you know, I, I don't even listen to that stuff from people who are professional talkers. I don't really want to listen to it from just any, every random person. Like, uh, DQ Abel here says they're old AI repeating robots. Yeah. It, that's the thing too. It's, it's people think, people think there's a good and a bad robot. It's like, Oh no, I'm not the bad robot. I'm the good robot. I'm the I'm the robot that's for freedom. I'm the robot that's for <laughs> I'm the robot that's for conservatism <laughs> or I'm the robot that's for returning to the old way. I don't know. It's just I have no time for um anything anymore. <laughs> I I'm going full Full mountain man. I don't know how many times I've had to say it, but I'm definitely Jeremiah Johnsoning it up very soon. I'm going to start trapping. Going to start, uh, you know, building stone houses. Uh, what else? Skinning brain tanning, all those kind of things. Uh, let's see. Well, you know what? This was a good time. I'm glad that I got back on here and got the podcast going again. And I'm going to get going because I have some more things to take care of before it gets too late. I want to thank, again, Calabasas. want to thank DQ Abel and Professional Patch for being here for the resurrection of the Magic Yogi podcast. And thanks everyone who's been listening and who's been, who all the people that joined in on shows um, in the past. I just want to say that there's, I think most of the podcasts are still, they still exist, you know, like I, I don't think you can find most of the episodes on YouTube or anywhere else anymore, but I do have most of them in archives. So, you know, cause I always really, um, I'm always grateful that people lend their voices and are willing to be on it. So there was a lot of good conversations. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't want to lose. So I made sure to save most of it. And so I think down the road, I'm going to try to set up times where we'll have shows that are playing kind of highlights or clips from older shows. And yeah, because I mean, there's there's hours, there's days of shows and some things that maybe people never heard. And there's all sorts of interesting things. So yeah, we'll get those things going. And thanks a got, thanks a got, guys. <laughs> thanks a got, guys. See, I can't talk anymore. Shutting it down. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>